Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Day Beautiful podcast feed. My name is Adam. I am the founder of Day Beautiful, the website and podcast where you can discover debut authors. If you like what you hear here, check out Day Beautiful on daybeautiful.net and on all social media at Day Beautiful. And welcome to yet another First Taste reading series where I invite an author to read five minutes from their work to kickstart your week off with great literature and put you in a really good mood. Today's guest is a Ruth Lilly and Dorothy Sargent Rosenberg Poetry Fellowship finalist. Her poems have appeared in The New Yorker, The Academy of American Poets, Poem a Day, American Poetry Review, The Best American Experimental Writing Anthology, and elsewhere. Originally from Birmingham, Alabama, she currently lives in Seattle, where she helps out at Open Books, a poem emporium, and co-hosts the podcast, The Poet's Salon. Her debut poetry collection, Judas Goat, is out now. Please welcome Gabrielle Bates. Hey, how are you doing today? It's so exciting to be here. I'm a big fan of the podcast, so it always feels a little surreal to like see the person and hear the voice in real time that I've listened to in my earbuds on the bus and stuff. Cool. Well, thank you so much for supporting. And and I'm so glad I I don't, Day Beautiful does not really cover poetry and yours was like, uh, Tin House got it to me and I was doing some traveling. I was like, you know what? I don't want to read a story or a book or a novel right now. And I read it and I was like, all right, I'm going to recommend it and then figure out how we can talk about Judas Goat. And so here we are. Um, I invited it's such you a on. huge honor. Yes. Um, it would be an honor anyway, but um, to be a poet breaking breaking into a space, <laughs> usually for fiction writers and nonfiction writers, it feels extra special. So no. thank you again. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for writing it. Um, so part of this is, is I, I like to know what the book is from your perspective. Um, usually, you know, publicity copy is just like whatever is going to sell books. Media copy is just whatever like the, the reader thinks the book is about. So what is this collection of poems to you? I occasionally find the back jacket copy of poetry books to be quite misleading. <laughs> and part of that is just because poetry collections are often very difficult to describe in a way that feels both accurate and, Mm -hmm. like you just said, enticing to potential buyers. Um, But that said, I really feel the back jacket description of my book is actually really true to the major themes and questions and moods of Judas Goat. This is a book that's obsessed with the dark, strange, menacing undercurrents of intimate relationships. And it is haunted by the Deep South as a container and a tradition. For me, this book is also about the limits of what we can know and what we can see, uh, really wrestling with those limits and how they impact our ability to connect with other people, love other people. Um, yeah, I think it's yeah. it's a collection that's really obsessed with and disturbed by what this sort of main character speaker has been taught or trained is right and mm-hmm. good, um, particularly in terms of what it means to be um, a good girl or a good woman or a good believer. Um, And these poems are really 
wrestling with that, disturbing that, troubling that um, as much as they can. And mm -hmm. so the vibe is harrowing. It's sexy. It's scary. <laughs> um, uh, and I hope also these moments of tenderness and wonder um, are there as well. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that was helpful, if that was orienting or disorienting, but that's- No, I mean, I think it explains about. like what, like, you know, when I do read poetry collections, it's like just an overwhelming amount of emotions. Like poems mm -hmm. could do so much, even like, yes. if you, I mean, even like you're, you're going to read two poems for us. And I'm sure like how I'm going to react to it is different than how re readers are going to react to it, you know? Um, yeah. So. I, one thing I love about poetry is that it is doing so much at one time. Um, even just the idea of a line, you know, if we think about that being one of the only things that really differentiates poetry from prose um, often, just this idea of a line as a unit of language that can means something so different on its own than in the context of a poem. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is why we often read poems more than once, right? Um, is because it will reveal new layers and new meanings and new emotions to us every time we encounter them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, what poems will you be reading for us today? I thought I would read a poem called The Mentor. And then a poem called Strawberries. Terrific. We'll take it away and then I'll be back to ask questions about the poems. The Mentor. He carved faces into the dead parts of cedars. He wore a belt of chisels around his waist. To determine where they were dead, he took a leafless limb followed it like thread back to its spool, down the corresponding strip of trunk. In the middle of those woods, where the ground sloped into a large bowl, mist often got trapped, parted at our calves. We walked together for a long time, and as we walked, he traced what I said back to my left breast, down to the tender hole where I was once attached to my mother until I went silent. Then he braced my back against a tree. He took out the chisel and kneeled. You ask when I stopped shouting everything and started keeping language close to my mouth, as if I were reading to a match that had to last my life. Well, it was not that day. That was much later, after the trees had all been cleared and the earth leveled. When I stopped begging to be believed and started telling the truth, no man was there. Thank you so much for reading that. And uh, please jump right into the second poem. Strawberries. A car's tires the thunk over the rubbery black tripwire at the oil change, triggering fat bell. And a group of girls in silver leotards are reflected like spatters of sap in its windows. 
liquid eye, firm, gleaming. It's a game day. They are the girls chosen to split in tempo to the brass band. Heel of a front foot sliding over astroturf. Top of a back foot grinding over lit green. Cervix slapping the 50-yard line like a fried egg flipped down on a griddle to burn. Behind the bleachers, a boy takes off the shirt of another boy, paints a letter there in red paint. R, and then another boy, I, O, T. When the sun goes down over the ridge, all the painted boys will make patriots. For now, the sun rises, sanctioning the street. Jiffy Lube, Pet Store, the Sam Super Sandwiches teens file into, practicing the joke of language. The morning is cool on the outside and hot in the restaurant. The war in the words, playful as a war can be, meaning each gut bleeds out like a slit pig's, filling the cracks in linoleum, spilling over, becoming smooth. The layers of red dry and build on one another, and for years the gap between ceiling and floor lessens. Backs hunch as the mind saws downward, revealing rings. In the parking lot, are you asleep? Says the boy who is not my boyfriend, running his fingers along the band of my underwear. Across the street from this, for years, an ancient tortoise roams the floor of the pet store, closing his army green beak around the red toenails of sandaled women, thinking them strawberries. I feel ashamed for all the moments I've been kind, knowing kindness is all it would take. Thank you so much for reading those two poems. Um, I know you talked about that, you know, this is a lot about like how women are viewed, good good women, good girls, bad women, et cetera. And, and what I found fascinating about your collection, I know you're from the South, you lived in Birmingham, now you are not in the South, you're in the North Pacific Northwest. I, even listening to you read Strawberries, I was thinking a lot about place. And this feels, even if it wasn't written when you were in Birmingham, this feels Southern, like the football game, like the atmosphere. And, and I'm curious, like how place plays a role in your writing. Yeah, I think that moving away from the South empowered me to imagine towards mm. the South. And I think the distance between experience and imagination is a really rich and resonant place for art, for writing of all kinds. And I don't know if I could have written a poem that conjures as inspiration my hometown mm. while I was still there. I think there was something about being far away from it and being able to pull details from it, certainly. Um, and yet also have have the imagination um, 
alive as well. Um, and so to see it in my mind, like a short film, as opposed to observing um, in real time, I think allowed for a different kind of life to, mm -hmm. to enter the language um, and to enter the imagery. Um, because I, I can feel constrained and trapped in an unhelpful way when what I'm describing is actually right in front mm -hmm. of me. Um, yeah. So yeah, that is that is definitely um, inspired by my my hometown. I won't sure. say it's an exact uh, portrait yeah. of it, um, as as so many mm -hmm. poems are. They're sort of like these warped mirror um, yeah. video versions. Yeah, and I'm I'm always fascinated with like craft. I like to talk to like you know fiction writers about the revision process. So I'll ask you very boring questions. I'm sure you've answered a lot, but like. What is a general process? I know every poem is different. I know the editing process is different for every poem, but like, or let me react, let me ask a different question. When do you know a poem is ready for you? I used to rely over much on other people mm -hmm. to tell me when a piece was quote done. Um, I was always trying to relinquish that control onto mm -hmm. other people. It's like, workshop group, uh, teacher, men mentor of some kind, um, is, the, is this done? Is it is it good? Um, and then gradually, thankfully, I, I started inhabiting more agency in regards to my own work and my own vision and realizing that so much is intuition um, and there, there aren't these sort of neat markers of doneness, um, and really allowing myself to be the final arbiter of, mm -hmm. of my work. Um, and so it's really a gut check thing. Um, time plays a role for sure. The creative after uh, where I'm thinking, you know, wow, I've, I've written the best poem I've ever written and it's already done. Um, I haven't had that feeling in a long time, but it used to be pretty common. And then, you know, a few weeks pass and you can see, um, for me, revision is so much about cutting back. It's so much about these little snips and cuts that allow for these sparks to happen um, for surprising juxtapositions, um, for propulsive rhythms. Um, in certain poems, they come almost fully formed and that's sort of the magical rush of goosebumps on your arms that I'm always chasing. Um, the Mentor was one of those poems that just sort of came almost like a visitation and I, I really didn't need to revise it all that much um and other poems take a lot longer and there's mm -hmm. cutting and putting back and um changing around the order of information um so like you said yeah every yeah. process is a little different um but i can say for me the editing tool in my toolkit that i use most readily and i think um with the most power is is a kind of knife um, mm -hmm. kind of cutting back or chiseling um, from the material that I've accrued. Thank you so much to Gabrielle Bates for joining the Day Beautiful podcast first taste reading series. You can find her on Twitter at Gabrielle Bates and on Instagram at Gabrielle underscore Bates underscore. 
You can find Dave Beautiful at DaveBeautiful.net and on all social media at DaveBeautiful. As always, I'm Adam. This is Dave Beautiful. And you're all beautiful. Beautiful.